The thoughts and opinions on Just Some Podcast are of the hosts and guests and do not represent the views of organizations that employ them or they volunteer for. They are also not responsible for spontaneous black holes or nuclear wars that may occur. You have been warned. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another fun-filled and exciting episode of Just Some Podcast. This is Tom. Hey, this is Ben. Tom, man, how's it going, bud? Busy. It's been a busy week here. I think we talked about last week, school is now in session, and people are spreading their germs, and people are wanting those school excuses. So it's starting to pick up quite a bit. So I, I guess the enjoyment of summer and lesser patient loads is... A dream that has been dreamt. That's going to tie greatly into our story that you may have missed shortly. Oh, you know, it's funny you bring that up because I think if we introduce our guest real quick, Ben, she can verify that we have no clue what that story is. Are you ready? Yes, please. Normally I get to introduce the guest, but I understand in in talking to you and talking to to our guest pre-show that there may be a connection there between you two. So, Tom... Please, sir, go ahead. Well, tonight's guest is Jamie. She is one of the, well, I, I don't want to say the word troll, but <laughs> she she works she works at a department that I'm going to let her talk about. So, Jamie, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. My name is Jamie. I am a histology technician in the lab. Everybody's favorite uh, department. Yeah, that's where you cue all the booze. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you think. (laughs) Maybe not all the booze, but not all the booze, but a lot of booze. So, so Jamie, how long have you been working in lab? What is your background, etc.? So I've been working in lab since I was 18. I started out as a phlebotomist, which is who you guys probably see a lot. And then I was going to become a medical technologist, which who, so the phlebotomist collects the blood, the med tech does the testing. And once I was in the lab, I was like, yeah, that job is not for me. So I I worked in different pathology labs and and did a various amount of jobs and found that histology was my favorite. So that's where I ended up. And not that Ben and I don't know everything, because I'm sure it's clear (laughs) to all our listeners. Yeah, around the world know that we know everything. But for the uninitiated out in the listening world, would you mind telling us what histology is and how it applies to nurse practitioners and nurses? Sure. So histology is broken down the study of tissue. And when you collect anything in the office, it usually goes to a lab. If it's cells, it goes to the cytology department. If it's blood, it goes to the clinical lab. And if it's actual tissue, it goes to pathology. 
So behind the pathologist are a bunch of techs, histology techs, who do all that legwork, prepare the tissue, do all the staining, and give them everything they need to make their diagnosis. So that's what I do. So you're like the Oompa Loompas yes. of the pathology department. <laughs> Not quite as orange sometimes, but um, it depends on what stain we're working on that day. <laughs> I was I was imagining a more pale translucent from all as the uh, fluorescent yes. bulbs. <laughs> yeah, it, usually it were a pink and purple because those are the stains we use mostly. But Well, it's just a fair warning, Jamie. It's going to be a long episode for you. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> So now that we have that little bit of intro, and I'm I'm sure we'll bring up more stuff throughout the episode, I just want you to verify for everyone listening mm-hmm. that I we have not been told anything about the stories that we may have missed tonight. Nothing. I, I have not heard. Exactly. Exactly. So, <laughs> I, exactly. So I'm super excited to get to that, but there is something that we have to do first. It's Ben's that, favorite Bill? part of the show. It's your favorite oh, part of the show, yeah. Ben. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, all at Just Some Podcast. You can find us on the web or at www.justsomepodcast.com. You can email us, admin at justsomepodcast.com. Also, you can find us on Helium Radio. That's Helium Radio After Dark Channel 2. Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central. And, Tom, you can also find us on the iHeartRadio app. So we are all over the place. And we even got a comment on Podbean, which I didn't know about, which I guess is bad. They're probably never going to sponsor us now. Uh, <laughs> didn't know about their service, but I signed up for it so we could respond back to any comments that are made there. So I think anywhere that you can uh, hear a podcast, you can hear us. Tom, what else can they do? Well, first of all, they can give us any ratings or reviews, tell their family and friends about us. Uh, they can click on any of those sites that you just listed. And go ahead, subscribe or download and get the word spread out that way. They can also go to our website. At the bottom, there's an Amazon affiliate link. Scroll to the bottom, click on that when they go to do their Amazon shopping. It's free to use the link. It will take you into the shopping. It's like we were never there. And uh, you help out the show. Proceeds from your shopping help go back to us and... We really appreciate it. So thank you very much. Yeah, and it has been used a ton lately, Tom. Like I lo- logged in to check it the other day, and it's massive how much stuff is being bought through that link right now. So we appreciate that. We do appreciate it. And whoever bought the 12 mannequin heads. We don't want to know anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know who you are. And I'm completely honest, when the FBI shows up to my house, <laughs> I don't want to know who you are. So... Like, I don't know why they'd be buying scissors, garden shears, mannequin heads, and like super glue. Like, I don't like, I don't know what's going on here, but I don't want to find out. It puts the lotion on the skin or else it gets the hose again. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Who bought that 55 gallon drum of personal lubricant? I don't know, but that is fantastic. So it was probably somebody from a lab somewhere. It's probably (laughs) someone in a lab. I wonder if they sell that. I kind of want to look on Amazon now for 55-gallon drums of personal lubricant and see what happens. Well, we've talked about it enough that it would probably pull up on your Facebook feed sometime. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay. Well, now that we got your favorite part of show, and I think I'm going to start a new thing. I, we've been doing this a year now. By the way, I think, I mean, we're going to do a one-year anniversary special, but Jamie, you should feel special. I think this is actually the very first this is the actual one-year anniversary what we're recording. That's awesome. I'm super excited, yeah. and we get to talk about the lab. What better way to celebrate? Ugh, 
God, if I had thought about that, I would have reversed my decision. Jamie but, will be the first episode of season two, so it'll be awesome. There, there season you go. Premiere, right there, season premiere, Jamie. And I'm just going to take a picture of Smeagol oh. and put it up for the cover art. <laughs> horrible job. Wow. <laughs> that is horrible. I am aware. But I think I'm going to start a new thing, Ben, because oh. again, we don't record pre-show the clip. There, There is no clip of you saying all this stuff. Every show you live say all that horse shit you just said. Yes. And Every I time. think I'm going to purposely try to start tripping you up while you're doing it in some way. I, I don't know. It just because I sit here for about three minutes every episode just listening to you talk about our social media sites. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder what I could do to make this harder. So <laughs> that's that's what I think. You can lay down the gauntlet, sir. I accept your challenge. Oh, thank you. What do you think, Jamie? Do you think we should just purposely fuck with him or just let him do his job? Well, I mean, come on. You have to fuck with him. <laughs> exactly. See, she's starting to grow on me, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> Like a mole. All right. <laughs> like a mole that she would then dissect and stain. So, exactly. see? Yeah, get a shave biopsy and I could embed it and then I could give oh, you a dentist. I can't wait to learn about shave biopsies here. I'm tingling with excitement. <laughs> oh, you are so excited. <laughs> All right, Benjamin. <laughs> yes, let's sir. Uh, ready let's for get your, to the story. story. So, Tom, I scoured the internet looking for a wonderful story to bring, you know, for our season two premiere. I knew we were going to have Jamie on, and she works in the lab. And so I was trying to find a lab story, but I tell you what, those are dry as hell. Like, I couldn't – they must be nerds or something. I know, because we're so awesome. We never screw up, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I couldn't find a lab story because, well, I didn't want to put everybody to sleep. But, Tom, there was a new study published today in JAMA that surgical masks are as good as respir- respirators or the N95 mask for flu and respiratory virus protection. So, a study came out showing that there is no difference in incidence of a viral respiratory transmission among healthcare workers wearing the two different types of protections. And to get more specific, in the end, 207 lab, laboratory-confirmed influenza infections occurred in the N95 group versus 193 among the medical mask wearers. And then there were 2,734 cases of influenza-like symptoms in the N95 mask group and 3,039 in the medical mask wearers group. So the takeaway is basically there is no significant difference between the N95 and just a plain little cheap-ass medical surgical mask to help prevent influenza-like symptoms. I wonder, and this is just a thought, that perhaps the people wearing the N95 were maybe more cavalier with doing stuff or they thought they could do more stuff or maybe they took less precautions with other PPE because they were like, Oh, well I'm wearing an N95. I can't get the flu. But the dudes wearing just the simple, simple scrub mask was like, nah, I'm not going in there. (laughs) So maybe that's part of it. I don't know. I always wonder about those parameters when you hear that, like, okay, well, was everything the exact same? Like, are we sure that there wasn't any other, Issues. Well, and it's going to be, I mean, it's hard to say with this one. That, um, it was performed at multiple medical settings in seven cities around the country. Houston, Denver, Washington, New York, University of Texas, the CDC, John Hopkins University, University of Colorado, Children's Hospital, Colorado, the University of Massachusetts, University of Florida, and then several VA hospitals as well. So, I mean, you're not going to get a standardized use of the mask one way or another, but 
statistically, they both showed very similar infectious rates. So, you know, maybe you could ditch the N95. Do you guys wear stuff like N95? What do you guys wear down there? No, we typically don't wear the N95 unless we need to. Usually if we're doing it, it's more for our protection from the chemicals we're using. So we have to use like the actual like full-on respirator. So like full-on respirator, like a pepper or, or like... I can't remember what... It's the one with the... It's got the filters on the side. Like it's the full... I think she's just talking the over-the-face mask, not pepper. Okay. I was just uh, Kind of like Breaking Bad. Yes. So you know how to do the stuff in Breaking I, Bad. <laughs> yeah, that's what you're saying. That's what I'm getting from that, yeah. I work in a laboratory. Oh, see? <laughs> yeah, she's like, don't drink the stuff in that beaker, yo. <laughs> we always joke that when Medicare is not paying the bills, then we can turn to uh, meth at least. Well, see, at least you guys have a plan. So It's true. But anyway, that's my story that I have, Tom. Oh, well, I like that story. And I figured it tied into your, you know, your kids getting, or not your kids, but kids getting sick because, you know, that flu season just around the corner. Yeah, I was going to say, no, that's apt timing because, yeah, we're about to get hammered. It just, I can feel it. It feels like a tidal wave. It's already here. Oh, boy. That's true. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be bad. We'll be sending people over for those lovely nasal swabs to the lab. Those evil, evil people in the lab who shove things up people's nose. Hey, I'm not shoving anything up somebody's nose. And that goes to micro. That's not my problem. <laughs> but see, this is guilt by association, Jamie. So you work in the lab. You, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we brought you on to answer for the crimes of all laboratory. That's not fair. Because there are some departments that probably deserve it, but not histology. Well, I can't wait to learn about histology and mostly start some kind of internal gang war between histology and micro and whoever. So that would be kind of cool to start a big like laboratory gang war. That would be awesome. Actually. So are you ready, Ben? Are we ready to dive into this? Yes, sir. Go ahead. Uh, Jamie, are you ready? I'm ready. I don't know if you're ready for this question. Are you sure you're ready? I'm, I'm as ready as I'm going to be. Okay. I know you, you keep trying to pawn this off. Like you don't do anything with the rest of the lab because you're in histology, but you did work previously in the laboratory setting, correct? Yes. Okay. So here's the most pressing question I guarantee you every ED nurse in fucking America has for you right now. Okay. Oh, God. Why is it every time we send you a damn tube of blood in a lavender or light green top, it's always coagulated? Why is that? Why is that? And how is that possible? drawing these labs tom well-qualified damn nurses that's who <laughs> well the, obviously there's an issue because i doubt all those tubes are defective so it's probably the user what so you're telling me nobody in lab has ever screwed something up and just said ah, we'll just tell them it's def- it's uh, coagulated oh we screw things up but there you go i don't, I don't know about that because this is a true story. I think I've actually told this story one other time. Ben, if I have, tell me to shut up. When I was a brand new supervisor in the ER, like seriously, like one of my very first shifts, we had like 12 samples come back and the lab kept calling us and saying, your guys' stuff is coagulated. So I had them pull every light green tube off of every cart, toss them, go to the storeroom and get us all brand new cellophane wrapped. You know, they come in like little styrofoam pack things. Yeah. All brand new. They still said two of them came back coagulated. So how is that possible, Jamie? I don't know. I wasn't there. I can't do any QC to troubleshoot that. Oh, see, 
I've always heard, you know, it's oh, you guys use too small of a needle, or you drew it too fast, or yeah. So I, I, don't, mean, I don't know. I doubt it was the tube's fault, so I would say yours are error <laughs> on one end of the other. It's your fault, Ooh. Tom. It's your fault. <laughs> okay, so what you're basically saying is that you're going to cover up for lab no matter what happens. Every time. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I'm serious though. It is just one of those things where we're like, what the hell? That's not, there are times it's just not possible. I'm just saying, I don't feel like it's, I'm not there. I don't know. Every time it's different. She is trying so hard to just cover this up. To be fair, I haven't worked in the clinical lab in a really long, like 15 years. My God, so, how old are you, ma'am? Wow. <laughs> I'm very young. I was an infant <laughs> when I worked there. <laughs> She's going to prom next year. So. <laughs> She's 22. <laughs> next year, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Jamie, why did you decide on histology of all the laboratory stuff that you could do? Like, what, what was the appeal? Well, I I think like most histology technicians, I fell into it. I didn't even know histology existed. I went to school to be a medical technologist and I found out real quick that that was not what I wanted to do. And so I just kind of tried a bunch of different jobs in the lab and stumbled upon histology and I love it, but it's, it's kind of, we're kind of hidden away. Not many people know we're there and it's really like, you know, the best of both worlds. So was there any particular aspect of the other positions that you didn't like? I should say you said that. So what were the aspects of the other jobs that you didn't like? A lot of it was, I, I guess when I like was idealistic and young, I thought, hey, when I'm going to work in a lab, I'm going to have a lab coat and I'm going to be Erlenmeyer flask and Copeland jars everywhere and mixing solutions. And that's just really not what it is. Medical technologists these days are really working with machines a lot and they're just like stuck in one area, babysitting a machine, working third shift, and none of that appealed to me. So it took a little bit of fumbling around in different lab settings till I till I found histology, which I love. So is histology the type of job then where it's like a Monday through Friday, like nine to five, weekends and holidays off type position? I mean yes, it I, is. I said I was assuming so just because you work with a pathologist and I figure this by their hours. Right. So most of the time, there are some labs that run 24 hours a day. The big labs like LabCorp and Quest, they probably have techs around the clock. But mostly we have, like phlebotomists do, you know, they have to do all their, their work on the front end and then have it all ready for the doctor when they get there. We likewise are doing everything that way too. We have to have all of our work done for the pathologist when they get there in the morning. And so if the pathologist isn't working, usually we aren't, which is great. So- where does the line stop? Like you prepare the sample or do you give any sort of preliminary reading? Exactly where does the pathologist come into the picture when you're done? Okay, so we don't do any diagnosis, but we do have to do a lot of troubleshooting. So we have to know, we have to have an idea of what they're looking for so that we know how to troubleshoot it. So if something goes wrong, it's, it's kind of a long process. We're doing a lot of chemical steps. So, you know, once the specimen's taken from the patient in either the OR or in a doctor's office, it's it's in formalin and it has to be in formalin for eight plus hours for those proteins to bind. And then it's, it's another series of like eight hours worth of chemical steps that it has to go through before we can 
prep it. So I think a lot of people, you know, when you go to the doctor and you're like, oh, you have to wait a week for your pathology report. Sometimes it really does just take that long to do all these chemical processes. So we are the people actually doing those, making sure they're getting from one step to the next step. And then the doctor looks at it and they say, okay, I want to do more testing, try this stuff. And we do all that testing and then we give it back to them. Here's a quick question then just to follow up on that. So let's say, well, okay, maybe I misunderstood something. So you're saying like all specimens have to go into like formalin solution. Pretty much. If it's tissue, if it's cellular, no. So I guess my question is like for those people that are having like surgeons are removing a tumor and they're clearing margins, how do they check the tissue that fast if it's supposed to have been in formalin for eight hours? Okay. So in surgery, we do something called a frozen. So what we can do while the patient is like actively in surgery on the table, opened up, they literally send a surge tech. They run it upstairs to us. We freeze it like super fast, like negative 21. And then we cut it. We look at it. We can do all this in maybe like five minutes. And we have a pathologist standing there, usually like looking at the specimen and then they can verbally communicate with the surgeon. So we can do that, but it's like quick and dirty and we can't give, they can be like, okay, I see X, Y, and Z. Yeah. You've got the margins. No, you didn't. But to do more diagnostic, we would have to do like the whole process it and spend a couple of days with it. Okay. So, and this may be a weird question. I don't know. <laughs> um, oh no. That's what we want, Ben. We want the weird. Pathology is all weird all the time. So how much tissue Say like we do a four millimeter punch biopsy in the office. Yeah. How much tissue do you use? How much tissue is, I mean, do you use the entire sample? I mean, how, how does, I mean, how does that all work? So it depends. So if I got a punch from you guys, what we would do is we would cut it in half and then we embed it in wax so that we can cut it with a really sharp knife. And what we're doing is we're, we're cutting it like a fraction of a cell. So let's say a cell is like 20 microns. We're cutting it four to five microns and we do sections. So we'll, we'll cut it, we'll get one section, we'll cut a little deeper, we'll get another section, we'll cut a little deeper so that the doctor can see the progression through the punch. And we put it all on a slide, we stain it, they look at it under the microscope so they can see so we don't use all of it, but we do use most of it. We try to save some so that if they want to do additional testing, we have it there. Now, if it's a, if we get an entire kidney, then we don't use all of that. We just take a, a section or a sample. But usually we try to save some if we need to do additional testing. But we also do go through a fair amount of it. When you're talking about cutting in microns, how are you, is that laser? Is that... Very steady steak knife hand. <laughs> That's what I'm like. How do you do that? Like, I wish you could Google a, a, a microtome. A microtome is the machine that we use. And it is a blade, a super sharp blade, like really, really sharp. And then you just mount the tissue on this, like we call it a chuck, but it's like a, a head and it moves up and down. We, we may move it forward and backward. Um, so it takes a lot of skill at first to, to get used to this, but you should Google video of it because it is pretty cool. Just the whole uh, do that. Well, I think you just gave him a project yeah. to take care of. It really is really cool. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like this part is really cool. <laughs> this is the part. This is the part that gets all the histology text worked up right here. Oh, it does. The microtome. Oh, tell you how I love my microtome. <laughs> 
Yeah. You know, in my head, I just imagine her like at a conference saying, oh, you have the 21 X model. Well, we have the 32 J. So suck it. (laughs) You only have the Bauer model. We have a full Tony Amos 32 J. Like that's the best. You can't beat that microtone. I wish I knew. I just imagine all these weird conversations now in my head. People stand around in lab coats, drinking wine. Like, this is weird. You know, normally what we do is we're like, hey, guys, look at this under the microscope. It looks like something dirty. That's usually what we're doing. <laughs> awesome. So when we're standing around going, yeah, so why why did this pathology report take three extra days? Well, because it looked like a butt when we looked at it under the microscope. <laughs> exactly. We had to pass it around. <laughs> so, so do you, as the histology tech, then do you see the clinical because like at least with our pathologist we have a form that we fill out mm-hmm. explaining basically where it came from yeah. and then we have like a section about like clinical history of things we've tried things that we suspect with it i mean is that something that you were going to take into consideration is that something you even read or is that a little bit i mean okay so when when we get a patient's tissue and okay, let's say you send us a toenail and you're like, I think they've got fungus. We're going to see that as a tech and pick up a couple extra slides to do certain fungal stains that they that we think the pathologist is going to ask for. Or I'm trying to think of something else. We can kind of anticipate when we see a certain diagnosis. And some doctors will say, you know, every time I have a bone marrow, I want you to run these stains. Or every time I have something where they suspect fungus. I want you to run these stains. So we pay attention to that, but usually we have to kind of wait for their, for them just because we don't get paid for that extra work we do if they don't need it for their diagnosis. You brought up an interesting point then that I want to sidebar a question off of. Okay. Do you get a lot of toenails? Because oh my God. I can spot. It's so gross. People wear flip-flops always. Just just do it. Well, but I mean, I like I mean, I remove toenails you know, probably... I'd say on average, probably once a month. Yeah. I have never seen it for pathology. Really? Like I'm just like, we yeah, get it's, a lot. It might get fungal. You can look at it. Right. And I think sometimes it's tied to you have to have a pathology diagnosis to get approved for certain drugs on certain insurances. So I really okay. think that might be what it is. I would just like, I've, I've never thought about sending a toenail for yeah. pathology. That's, that was confused. I so. really wish you could have seen the look on our faces. Like, did she just say toenails? <laughs> Right. Like, I was like, okay, hold on. I had the whole like side dog, like, huh? Like, <laughs> okay, hold on, Jamie. So, uh, what other things do we need to be sending down to histology? <laughs> so many, anything, anything you can find on the body, you can send to us. We have seen it all. Oh, I can find some things. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you can, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I just in my head, I'm still just going, what? Yeah, do you want me to send it? I can't imagine my nurse looking at me and me saying, hey, send this toenail. And she'd be like, what did you just say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You'd be surprised. I mean, we have some clients that are like, that's their that's their business. That's what they're doing. Which well, I get it, but I just, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I think you bring up a valid point. It's probably more of the official diagnosis. She needs a yes. you know, pathology diagnosis. And I, I, I guess I just had never considered that. Mm-hmm. I hadn't either. I, I thought that was more of a clinical diagnosis, but... So then what is some, without, of course, getting into specifics, but I mean, you probably see some nasty shit. Yeah. 
the body is full of nasty shit and the people have a lot of nasty <laughs> shit. <laughs> the human body's gross, Ben. Literally and figuratively. <laughs> so has there ever been anything that you were like, oh God, that's horrible? Or yes. that's grossed you out? Oh yeah. And not much. Like I, I mean you can I can see a whole colon on the table on the grossing table and it doesn't bother me but the one thing that will like bring me to my knees every time is a sebaceous cyst and they are disgusting and i don't know if you've that? seen them in the office or have you smelled them they do smell funny. oh it's so bad it's so bad it like it I... clear out a lab it's bad that i would think that like a rectal abscess nah, would probably smell no. the formalin kills a lot of that but something about a sebaceous cyst where it just persists it's horrible I wonder if the sebaceous cyst smells worse than after it's been in the formalin. Because, yeah, I mean, it smells bad, but mm-hmm. out of all the things, yeah, I know. a sebaceous cyst? Yeah. It's, re- it's really awful. So how often, whenever you are setting something up for the pathologist, I'm are you already fairly confident that you suspect you know what's going on? Granted, I know you don't have the, you're not making the official diagnosis, but I mean... Uh- how often are you usually like, yeah, this is going to be whatever? So that would require us to look under the scope at every slide, which when we're processing hundreds of tissues a day, we don't really have the luxury of doing that. So usually what we're doing is we're doing a stain called an H&E, which is tissue stain with hematoxylin and eosin. And that just gives a pathologist like they can just see the cellular composition better. And from there, then they'll pick out the cases that are questionable to them. And then they'll submit them back to us for more stains. So those, once we see what the doctor's ordering, we're like, oh, okay. And then once we see how those stains turn out, then we kind of have an idea of what's going on with the patient. Like, oh, this is not good or okay, whatever. So, but initially there's such a high volume of what we put through. We don't get to look at it all as closely as a pathologist does. I've seen several episodes of medical shows and oh, a lab tech person is always looking through a microscope at those. So you're saying that that is incorrect? That is incorrect. Unless maybe I'm checking my controls or something. But I would say in a lab, like histology, yeah, we're looking under the scope a lot, but we're not looking at every single slide that comes off because we just don't have the time for that. But it's kind of like I, I work in the IHC department, so I'm looking at my stuff a lot under the scope. But somebody up in the main IH or main histology lab probably is not looking at their stuff. They're only looking at their stains. So what's IHC? IHC is immunohistochemistry, and it's a stain that attaches to antibodies. It helps certain tumors express certain proteins differently. So you can use those stains to diagnose cancers. You can also use those for treatment, like with breast cancer, you can know if you're estrogen or progesterone positive, if you're um, HER2 new positive, and then that can direct your treatment. So I'm doing all those stains. Hmm. So on a given day, how many samples would you say you set up? So I work in a private dermatopathology lab, but we also get, we get other stuff too, but primarily we do derm path and we're probably getting like two to 400 specimens a day. Wow. A day? A lot. A day. Yes. I mean, we can get more. Well, hmm. I was like, wow, that's, that's a lot of, it's a healthy amount. Yeah. A lot of and you know, it, every hospital is different. I think when I worked, I worked at a hospital that's maybe a hundred beds and we'd get a couple hundred specimens a day. I guess I just did not realize any place would 
any smaller hospital, like a hundred bed hospital would be that busy. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, everything gets, and pretty much, I think if like anything that comes out in the OR has to be submitted. Right. Which makes sense. And then you get a fair amount from doctor's offices, but also, you know, you get your derm path and then you've got like pap smears, which technically isn't like histology. That's more cytology, but that's still under the umbrella of pathology. Which, okay. Then I was going to ask because occasionally I will have a patient and I'll pull routine blood work on her and Mm -hmm. say that her white count's crazy elevated. And so then of course I'll send it off for like a peripheral smear. So is that then fall under that cytology, but it's still under pathology? No, that's no, that's hematology, which is in the clinical lab. So that still kind of stays there. Cytology is more like lung aspirates, pap smears, bineedal aspirates. Anytime when you're taking like a group of cells, usually in a fluid, urine. Like ascites, if they're doing like a paracentesis, then yeah. yes, okay. And we're all kind of separate. I mean, we we work together a little bit, but we're pretty well separated too, which I think makes it hard when as a practitioner, knowing how to collect specimens because we all have different requirements and we don't always, always know what like the other people's requirements are with I, their specimen. I can see that being an issue. Yeah. Especially when everybody else in the lab is a jerk. Yeah, yeah exactly. Histology rules. Everybody else sucks. Absolutely. As a new practitioner, what are some of the common mistakes that you see us making when we're sending you a tissue sample like oh i wish they would have got a bigger sample or they would have done the punch biopsy at a different spot like is there anything that we can do to help improve you getting the sample prepared for the pathologist to make a diagnosis primarily it being collected properly is like the number one a lot of times people will collect a specimen like oh crap i don't know what to put this in like do i put it in saline do i keep it cold do i put it in formalin? Do I put it in this bottle that has some kind of solution that I have no idea what it is? Do I just throw it in there? That's generally what I do. (laughs) Yes. So (laughs) we will get things and we'll be like, this is in the wrong preservative. So you did all that work and we can get nothing from it. So that's probably like, know exactly what you're looking for and what the specimen requirements are, which is hard because it does vary. Well, and I think part of the other issue is the one I don't know I'm like, okay, well, let's call lab and I'll try and get lab on the phone. And it's a 32 minute maze trying to find someone just to tell me to put it in saline. That is true. And that's when you just say, can I have your supervisor, please? <laughs> oh, so I should change my name to Karen. And get I was a just going to say, you're going to pull a Karen. <laughs> yeah, you're going to pull a Karen. <laughs> because honestly, the people who are answering the phone are probably a secretary. And so they're going to find the first person that walks by. And that person's going to say, oh, that's not my department. Call so-and-so. And then it just gets out of control, which like, I totally get that. I think that is a valid argument for anybody like on the floor or in a different department because it is very confusing and there needs to be like, it would be nicer to have like a better relationship between lab and the, the, the floors or the offices. So what I'm getting from this conversation, Tom, is that. I need to do like seven punch biopsies and I'm going to put one in saline, one in formalin, one just in the, in the biohazard bag, just with nothing, one in betadine. Just in formalin. If it's skin or tissue, just put it in formalin. I don't know. I don't know. Unless you need to have diagnostic testing done. I would say, I'll be real honest, the, the last couple that I've been part of, I literally just put it in wherever the nurse canned to me. So I really don't know what it was. And she probably knows. Just take it from her. <laughs> Fair. 
I mean, <laughs> that's that is a very <laughs> legitimate, you know, that it's being rejected. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, having to deal with me once or twice after that, they probably are like, let's call the lab this time <laughs> and figure out what it's supposed to be in. Yes, that's always helpful. <laughs> so the default for tissue is formalin. formalin. I know what you're saying. You can't tell us everything, right. but if in doubt. Formalin. Absolutely. So is there anything that we do as providers, say punch biopsies, mole removals, whatever, that damages the tissue to the point that you guys cannot use it? Like, I mean, of course we use alcohol. We use like lidocaine with and without epi. Right. Is there anything that we do that can screw it up? No, to be honest, like tissue is very, fairly resilient. And, you know, once you put it in formalin, then it just like stops everything. It just kind of freezes it where it's at. So maybe like the biggest mistake you could be do is leaving it out of formalin for too long. Okay. But otherwise we can, we can fix a lot with histology magic. Like, Whoa. As far as she admitted it's magic, yeah. <laughs> magic, Tom, <laughs> she's got a fucking wand and everything. She's like, oh. I think we have an episode named histology magic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So then when you're getting these, and you're going to perform the histology magic, mm -hmm. okay? Is that, again, just going back? And again, I don't know anything about lab, so if this sounds really dumb to you, I apologize. But it's So is that saying, okay, well, they put it in saline, but it needs to be in formalin, so you can just switch it to formalin, and we just got to wait eight hours? I mean, is that the type of stuff you're talking about? Or And so if you send me something in saline, but then it's waited three days, that tissue's continued to decay, and I can, like, try to work some magic on it, but... It's going to look ugly. It's going to be dirty. But yeah, so if I get it that day, I can just pop it over into formalin. Now, if you took like, if you had... Um, a severed head. A severed head. Definitely. Put yeah, please. <laughs> Stop the process right like there, Tom. <laughs> a trash can full of formalin. <laughs> a 55-gallon barrel. Yep. I mean, there are, um, there are some solutions that you can't go backwards in. So there... I don't know. So there are some tissues that we get for to do special testing. And if they put it in formalin, it negates the testing that we do. So we're like, you have to completely recollect. But usually you know what you're looking for in those instances. So here's a dumb question. Then what is formalin? Formalin, it's formaldehyde and water and I think methanol. I it's curious. a solution. It's a, yeah, I think a 40% solution of formaldehyde. I didn't mean to stump you. I'm sorry. No, I mean, that, that's all it is. Yeah. Dubbin. So it just it helps the the proteins in the tissue crosslink to, and then it stops the the decaying process. So it kind of freezes everything. It just stops, so we can see what it looked like in the body at the time, like what the cells were doing at the time it was taken out. Okay, Tom. I was say I had a really great thought, and then I sneezed, <laughs> and now I don't remember <laughs> what the thought was. Hold on a second. I'll get it back. Just give me. Did a you second. sneeze in formalin? Because if you did, <laughs> no, I didn't sneeze in formalin. Oh god! <laughs> but I mean, it was related to that. That won't help me. Those are cells. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> now see, that won't help me because you gave me the wrong sample. Awesome. Exactly. I'm going to reject that. Well, no, it was it was along that line of oh, okay. So here we go. We have lots of regulations, rules, etc. That we find pretty idiotic mm -hmm. what are some rules in the lab that you have been forced to follow that you're just like i have no idea like for example jaco probably ugh, 
I I could do a whole episode about what I think about Jayco. If you're a nurse, you cannot have a drink outside of designated areas. Yeah. I can't tell you why, but <laughs> I can tell you you're not allowed to according to the regulations. So right. what are some of the, and, and I know I've seen many a specimen or something turned back for some stupid arcane argument from lab. So what are some of those rules or regulations that you've seen that you go, I just don't get it? Oh gosh, there are so many. I usually like get why they have them, but we have so much quality control. It is insane. I feel like I do. 50% of my day is doing quality control, but things like, oh, just left my head. Specimen identifiers. This is, a, this is a big problem we get. So like for us to do our job, we have to have like two to three specimen identifiers. And then, you know, like if you're labeling that at the bedside or something, I, I, it might be different now because regulations are a lot tighter, but you know, usually they just put like somebody's last name. We can't use that anymore, even though we're like, okay, this is the only patient with this last name. It obviously goes together, but then we have to reject it because it doesn't have their birth date or another identifier on it. That used to piss me off with just the regular lab. Like when I worked ER as a nurse, mm -hmm. you would send a urine and you'd forget to put a sticker on it, or you would yeah. only do like just the one identifier and they're like, yeah, we can't use that. I'm like, yeah. I, I had to straight cat them for that freaking year. Exactly. Like, exactly. Right. And it's infuriating for us to have to reject that. But like on the back end, there's so much QC that we can't do without it. So it's not like. I don't think that it frustrated them to reject it. I think they enjoyed rejecting <laughs> that. They were like. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like to reject something. I want to get it done. I want it off my work list. So I guess one of my questions about that, and I don't expect you to be able to answer for all of lab, mm -hmm. but let's say you get a sample. It's from Ben's office. You've dealt with Ben's office a dozen times and it's missing one of the identifiers. Mm -hmm. Why can't you just call and say, Hey, this is what I got. Can you give me the rest of the information and then finish the identification process? So a lot of times we can do that, especially if we're off site. But then we have to have some kind of documentation from Ben's office saying that we verified that. But if it comes completely, like if you send a bottle and a bag and a piece of paperwork and the, their demographics, but the bottle doesn't have anything on it, flat out rejected because we can't, we can't prove anything on our end. So then it becomes our liability basically. So if somehow that got switched in the office, and we just kind of let it slip through on our crack and then we diagnosed a patient with something and then they got treated for that something, it becomes our liability. Well, that makes sense. I was kind of chuckling, Tom, whenever you were talking about Jayco and, you know, not being able to have a drink in designated areas. I'm thinking she works in the lab, dude. Like, oh my God, yeah, I'm sure they don't have like sandwiches and drinks just like sitting around. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that we do that, but. Exactly. I knew it. I bet you she's got a fucking mini fridge in her office. Oh my God. No, but my coworker does. See, I knew it. What I tell you? I have a mini fridge in my office, Tom. What are you talking about? <laughs> yes. I've seen your office and you, sir, are living the NP dream. Okay. So not all of us. I currently have a linen cart in my office because they didn't have anywhere else to put it this week. And we're switching linen services. So there's a damn linen cart in my office. And I have a couch. Yes, <laughs> I know. I've I've slept on that couch. I understand. So it's a thing. I've been there.
and a mini fridge and a bookshelf and windows. Oh, here, here's one rule that I, I don't like. We're not even supposed to have chapstick. What? Yeah. Well, actually, I support that rule. You should only use Aquaphor on your lips. Chapstick's bad for you. I, I'm not giving up my chapstick ever. I don't care. I'm not saying chapstick brand. I'm just saying chapsticks in general. So that brings up an interesting thought then. Are you very, I mean, maybe not necessarily in histology, but say lab in, in general. Mm-hmm. You guys are around a lot of, well, like we said earlier, nasty shit. Yeah, so, I mean, we are. are you very meticulous yeah. about like hand, I mean, obviously hand washing this, but I mean, are you, are you like OCD to the point of you don't want to yeah. become contagious with anything that you're exposed to? Yes, I wash my hands a trillion times a day. I wear gloves constantly. I have something over my scrubs. I don't like to wear my shoes in my house. Yeah, we're, we're around a lot of nasty chemicals and a lot of nasty tissues. And you're bitching about chapstick. <laughs> that you're literally going to rub on your lips and you're bitching about chapstick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let me get my hand out of this guy's colon for a minute so I can put on this Carmex. And they won't even I mean, let me do that. I would wash my hands first. I would take off my gloves. <laughs> so she's like, I take my shoes off in the driveway, but give me my chapstick. <laughs> hey, you got to draw the line somewhere. Yes, and apparently it's at putting chemical feces That's on right. your face. So there you go. Oh. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> hey, think about what she just said. She was knee deep in a colon and then she put on chapstick. If I'm knee deep in a colon, I am not reaching for my chapstick. <laughs> I just, I, I just imagine they're like, "Hey, are those nachos?" Yes, get the toenails away from it. We're trying to eat. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, damn it! Are they yellow because of fungus? Or are they yellow because you dropped them in the egg salad? What is going on over here? So. All of our food separate from, yeah, we're not, we're not doing that. Okay. So another just random question, because I guess that's what I'm asking tonight. Um, (laughs) As providers, we are frequently courted by drug companies with like free lunches. You know, they bring lunch to the office or whatever. Do you guys ever have medical reps that bring you guys lunch and stuff? We do, but now with a lot of the laws, unless I'm trying to remember how it goes. So if we are their current client, they can bring us food sometimes, but if they are not, if we are not their client, they're like, they're trying to get our business. We are not allowed to accept a quote unquote bribe in the form of Chick-fil-A or donuts or whatever they want to bring us. So usually we do have reps sometimes, but it has to be an established client. Have you ever wanted to play a practical joke on the pathologist and put some weird shit in like a, a stain or a slide? Hmm, I'm trying to think. I mean, <laughs> I mean... I would want to. I mean, yeah, you, you want to. I mean, I can't think of any like big practical jokes we've played on each other. Like get a, get an orange slice and put that on the microtome and put that... He's like, what am I looking at here? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Johnson's culinary section. Here's the third slide. What? <laughs> Something is completely wrong here. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I feel like we don't have a lot of times to like the pathologists are usually pretty slammed with their work. So we're trying not to. to so they're all like, oh, we got to be professional. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got 400 samples a day. Oh. All the time, but and we're not like checking chemicals to their office or anything like that. Well, no, I don't want to hurt somebody. I just want to really confuse the shit out of them. <laughs> no, I think we've had a 
enough specimens that do that on their own that we probably don't need it anymore. <laughs> what you do is you get a can of Febreze and a zip tie. You zip tie the handles where it's like shooting, and then you throw it in the office. Yeah. Okay. Febreze grenades. Yeah. Now that's yes. all. That's an old one right there, buddy. <laughs> I will tell you that the old OC canisters where you depress down, mm-hmm. I'm just going to say I have heard that a toothpick wedged into the top of that button is just the right amount of pressure to keep that button depressed on the can of OC um, so that if you threw that into a room, it would continue to spray. <laughs> I don't want to leave my job, that. guys. Have you been a pathologist before? No, but um, I got to be honest. Yes. I imagine a really nerdy guy in glasses. Some of them are really fun, and some of them are really, really nerdy guys in glasses. Dirty? Okay. <laughs> nerdy. nerdy, Tom. No, she said dirty. I was like, damn, what's going on here? So, Tom, you have any final questions before we get into our final segment with Jamie? Well, you know, okay. So, you know, Jamie, we have asked you a lot of questions. I guess, what questions have you ever thought, why did this provider do this? Like, has there ever been a question you want to ask us? Oh my God. No, but you know, one thing that I always do want to ask people, like, you know, you see patient, na- like I just see hundreds of patient names a day. And there are some people that I really want to know, like, why, why did you name your child that? Okay. So that's the same question we have a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's like, There's what? just some gems. I wish. Oh, there's some great ones. But usually if I have a question, it's a legit question. And then I call the provider up. All right. A lot well, of that's um, been caught by accessioners and stuff before it gets to me. So usually by the time I get something, it's pretty legit. And here's one more thing. I guess this is a general question again. Is there a similar background that many of the people like for histology, for example, mm-hmm. like, is there a similar education degree work? What is the degree required for histology, et cetera, to get into your profession? Yeah. So histology is one of these, it's kind of a weird profession because you don't have to have a degree for it. A lot of people are trained on the job, but you do have to have a background in chemistry and biology. Like you have to have schooling. So usually people have an associates or a bachelor's, um, but a lot of people learn on the job. And up until I want to say sometime in the nineties, people were grandfathered in under like, like we have to be certified. So you do have to go through a certification process and continuing education every couple of years, but it's still one of those last jobs that's like learned on the job, which is kind of cool because it's so, there's so many things you have to learn and it really is all hands-on. I think I have one more, but Ben, if you have a question. No, go ahead, sir. I was going to say, Jamie, if there's just remember, this is going out around the world. Okay. Before we get into the final segment here, okay. is there any last parting words that you feel like maybe there's misconceptions about the lab and histology specifically that you think you can answer? Or is there anything that you just want us to know? Because remember, this is generally aimed at nurse practitioners that are shipping you these samples. This is a heavy, heavy weight on my shoulders. <laughs> yes. That's why I place it there. So if we are rejecting something, a lot of times we are just duty bound to do so. We don't want to do it. It's not fun. But also I would encourage everybody to reach out and meet their lab professionals because they're an awesome source of information. And when you get their phone number, you can call them up directly and be like, hey, what do I do with X, Y, and Z? And they can give you a super fast answer. And it would make your life a million times easier. We're here to help. 
and we're ready and willing. So you're saying I need to get to know my local histologist. Yeah. We're, we're so awesome. You're so awesome. <laughs> I'm going to start sending stuff over in like diet Pepsi and I'm going to be like, I don't, Jamie told me to. He did not tell you diet Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see that report. <laughs> he then sent me what appeared to be half of a Vienna sausage. <laughs> it was a solution that can only be diagnosed as diet Pepsi. I know. I took a sip of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I took a sip of it. It did not taste like a formula. <laughs> <laughs> You had to have at some point accidentally got like formalin or something in your mouth. I don't know about in my I have gotten paraffin in my mouth, but I don't know about formalin. I have been splashed with it, but it's nasty stuff. So I do try to wear like eye protection when I'm using it. Or you've gotten formalin on your chapstick and just didn't know it. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the smelliest medication ever. Rosefin smells like cat piss. So that's always fun. Fematidine, Pepsid. IV, that stuff is terrible smelling. Mucomist, sir. Mucomist. Oh, you're right. How could I forget mucomist? That is rotten eggs in liquid form. So Yes, it is. Which, mucomist is for Tylenol overdoses. Yes. For those who don't know. Those that don't know or aren't married to a respiratory mm. therapist. So, because you could use a mucomist for a couple other things, but I would digress and let them go ahead and then, Jamie, do you have something that you use stain-wise, preservative-wise, that is just horrible smelling? I, I mean, I think formalin smells pretty awful. And uh, we use a clearing agent called xylene, which is really a toxic chemical. But we have to use it for a lot of the steps. And it's it, not that it smells bad, but it's nasty stuff. So we try to use as much PPE as possible and stay away from it. I mean, we're using acetone and alcohol and hydrochloric acid we're using all kinds of chemicals so it, we're a hot mess well sounds like it yeah let's yeah, say it sounds it sounds like a regular picnic over there at histology come on over you can huff some acetone with us yeah hey there you go Ooh. yeah like i'm gonna be all cross-eyed and loopy <laughs> how do i how do, does pathology need nps like let's see what yeah. happens here. we get pathologist assistants what yeah so pathologist assist- assistants are they actually take like the big colon and they cut it down to size and then they assist the pathologist in a lot of different things. Yeah. Hmm. It's a pretty cool. Hashtag colon cutter. (laughs) (laughs) That's a much nicer word than I was going to use, but okay. (laughs) All right, Tom, you ready for our final segment with Jamie? Oh, I think it's that time. Cue the music up here. Join us on a journey into the inner psyche of our guest as we ask five, 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 five questions. All right, Jamie, you said you've listened to the show before, so have you heard five questions? I have. I've heard it a couple times. Okay. Well, then you know that we ask the same five questions to all of our guests. Mm-hmm. I ask the question. Tom makes fun of your answers. Trust me, I was going to make fun of her anyways, so... <laughs> That I wouldn't expect anything less. It's Tom, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Question one, Jamie. What is your favorite medical word? Hmm. That is a good question. That's why we ask it. I, I will use one from a diagnosis today, and it's pemphigoid. 
All right, you got us. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what? It's a fluid-filled sack on the skin. Oh. I happen to know what a pinguecula is, but not that. <laughs> well, now you know. And what was it? Say it one more time. Pemphigoid. That's a new one. Yep, you mm-hmm. win. All right, she wins that question. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. Question two, Jamie. If you could do any job in the world other than what you currently do, what would it be? Uh, I don't know if it would really be a job, but I would love somebody to pay me to work out and work in the garden. So you would be a landscaper. (laughs) That's what what you just. No, I would like to run most of the day and then come home and work in the garden in the afternoon. It would be a lovely existence. So you would be a landscaper and a gardener. Jesus, I just told you twice. Landscapers run? I don't know. Oh, there's so many jokes. I'm just. Yeah, exactly. Um, Well, when you're pushing that mower, I guess you could call that. I don't know. Like. She is an avid marathon runner, so I do I do enjoy the running. So I'm not talented whatsoever, but if somebody would like to pay me to just run all day long, that would be fabulous. So you would be a professional runner and a landscaper. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> there you go, Tom. Make fun of that. Yeah. <laughs> there are so many jokes. She just made fun of herself. Okay, <laughs> so she said she would be a gardener. And nothing wrong with gardeners, but she's trying to make it sound like it's something else. I'm like, that's already an occupation. She's like, wouldn't that be amazing if I just got to garden all day? I'm like, yeah, that's already a job. Like, what are you trying to like? People get paid to just garden in their yard. Yes, they're called landscapers. I literally have well, said this six I times. Now. The landscape. <laughs> and that's other people's yards, Tom. She's talking oh, about she wants to garden oh, in her own yard. Oh, okay. That's called independently wealthy, and that I don't know how to do. So, or farmers, just ask Sam. Yes. Oh, or farmers. Mm, yeah, I'd I'd be a farmer. So why didn't you say that the first time? All right. Uh, question three, Jamie. Your first car. Was it a stylish ride or a rolling turd? Oh, it was the best ever. It was a little bit of both. It was a baby blue Ford Mustang. That was just a rolling turd. <laughs> <laughs> I like how she set it up. It's like Ford Mustang. We're like, yeah, okay. I see the stylish right. No, no. Oh, I loved that car and I hated that car. <laughs> what year was it? Do you remember? It was like, it was uh, maybe a 91, I believe. I'm trying to remember, but I treated it so bad. And then the engine eventually exploded. <laughs> <laughs> And then it became a paperweight. Yes. <laughs> poor, poor baby blue Mustang. No, she was a good car while she lasted. Until she wasn't. Until was there she anything wasn't. about it that was? Was there anything about it that was like rolling turd, or was it just that you were just you just drove it like you stole it? And I drove it like I stole it and cre- and turned it into a rolling turd. It was fine when I got it. <laughs> By the time she was done, it had a miscolored door on the other side. <laughs> no door panels on the driver's side. <laughs> Use pliers. No muffler. Just, yeah. yeah. Use pliers to handle some of the switches. So. <laughs> okay. Question four, Jamie. If your house is on fire, everyone, including your pets, are safe. What's the one thing you want to get out of your house? Oh, man. That's hard. I don't know. My favorite sweatshirt? Wow. That's a new one. We have not heard that. 
my favorite sweatshirt. Well, I can't replace that. What is your favorite? Like, is it a? Is it got something on it, or is it just comfortable? What? It's so it's so amazing. It's a sweatshirt <laughs> that I bought when I was in college, and it's like twenty some years old now, and it's completely threadbare, and you can see through it, and it doesn't even hold its structure anymore. But I love it. So, Ben, and I'm sure. You can agree with me on this. No, this isn't so much making fun of Jamie as this is a phenomenon that I have witnessed in multiple girlfriends and now my wife. (laughs) They all have something like this. We do. Like, I have a pair of sweatpants I've had since I was three months old. And, like, those aren't pants. That's a drawstring. That's what's left of it. And I love it. And I don't know what it is. I cannot figure it out, but every female I know, and I'm not saying everyone in the world, but every female that I know of has something like this. It's true. It's amazing. It just feels so good. Like my current, my, my current wife, I was going to say my current wife. Wow. Well, trust me, there's, there are days where I'm like, she's about to be my past tense wife. So I might as well get used to this terminology, but no, she has several pairs of like sweatpants that she wears as pajamas. And all the time, I'm like, I will be glad as much money as we have spent on clothes for you. You would think at some point sweatpants would have been on the menu. And she's like, but I've had these since high school and blah, 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 blah. And so here we are still using them. Nothing you can buy will be as good. I, I Maybe. But I, <sighs> so <laughs> con- confession time, Tom. Uh-oh. Let's hear it. I still have my senior T-shirt from See? high school. You've been done. No, oh, whoa, 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 hold on. That's different. I'm sure I have a T-shirt that says like class of '99 or something on it somewhere, but that's not my favorite thing. All right, like it might be in a Fair drawer enough, somewhere yeah. where I'm like, okay. But she's making it sound like every night I watch Grey's Anatomy and I cuddle up in my sweatshirt, and I'm like, no, I might still have it, but it's in here somewhere. Jamie, how often do you wear it? Well, now that it's summertime in Tennessee, I'm not wearing it right now, but I'd give it about two more weeks and I'll bust that baby out and I'll wear it till April. (laughs) See? See what I mean? That's a completely different phenomenon than what we were just talking about. Touche. And and I don't mean it so much. I I think we all have like a favorite pair of jeans or something like that. I don't mean it like that. I just mean women, but they'll find something. And they will literally wear it till it disintegrates, and I can't figure that out. It just is weird to me. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know how that explains. All right, Jamie. Question five. You have $9.18 in your pocket. What all do you buy? Where Where am I? Am I here? Sure. Okay. Sure. I'm going to go to the food truck park, and I'm going to buy me a taco and some beer. What's on your taco? Um, Chicken, onions, and cilantro. And what beer? Um, ooh, a Bell's Pilsner. I've never had Bell's Pilsner, so I haven't either. So I think, though, based on knowing Jamie and her extensive beer drinking history, that we can say that's a win. <laughs> Bill Bell's. I almost said Bell's Palsy. Bell's Pilsner <laughs> is a winning beer. It is. I love it. Even though it's from Michigan, it's one of the best. Oh fuck! She just says from Michigan. Ugh. You just lost Tom. Yes, I don't give a damn for the whole state of Michigan. 
So damn it. All right. <sighs> well, um, any, I would say any parting words, Jamie. No, just thanks for having me and be nice to your lab techs. <laughs> no promises. <laughs> On that note, if you like this episode, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, all at Just on Podcast. You can find us on the web at www.justsoundpodcast.com. Or you can email us. Tell us about your favorite piece of clothing that you've worn since the 60s. Admin at justsoundpodcast.com. <laughs> oh, Tom. Yeah. You got anything to wrap up the episode? Be nice to your lab dogs. Yeah, you know, I like to give Jamie and the lab a hard time, but to be completely fair, there are things that we could do better, and they do have a very demanding and exacting job, and we want them to be exact. So perhaps there are times where we should take the mantle upon ourselves and make sure we label shit properly before we send it to them and then stop being so mad at them though i will say till the day i die that all those rejected light green and lavender top tubes of blood is horse shit but everything else okay we could do a better job and help them out and i got much love for the pleppies so, yes. the phlebotomists they do you know they have a hard job they get to you know they have to poke kids that and... is a hard job i would like to say that think about a phlebotomist day-to-day job they are hated by everyone they are hated by the nurses they're hated by the patients. They have to wake people up and then be told that they're hated all day long. So just I don't hate I've never hated a full bottomist. Some nurses well, like I am sure there there are some dickhead nurses out there. I am sure of it. So it's a rough job. <laughs> it's a rough job. I can see that. I mean like, yeah, I mean you're inflicting pain all day long. Yeah. On people yeah. who generally don't want it. Right. Generally don't want it. And then oh, you get to, like that per that phlebotomist leaves your room, but then they have to go to another person's room and just get like berated all over again all day long. It's rough. It's a it's a hard gig. Well, we here at Just Some Podcast love the phlebotomists. We do love histology, phlebotomy, eh, not so much, but phlebotomy. <laughs> yeah, histology. We're still we're still debating. It's the best department. On that note. Tom, I don't know what we're going to cover next week, but I'm sure it will be something fun and interesting like always. I mean, I did learn something from this that I'm going to start putting my specimens in Diet Pepsi. Yes. Um, <laughs> just have fun with the histology department. That's what I learned today. Because Jamie the Impa told me it's okay. Yes. Now, if you want to play, play a practical joke on them, I guarantee you they will laugh. But like put the legit specimen in formalin. <laughs> Touche. We might do that sometime. Okay. <laughs> We're gonna Please. punch biopsy a hot dog and <laughs> set it up in time Pepsi. Yeah. I want a picture when you do it. <laughs> Maybe a bratwurst. What the hell is this? <laughs> awful meaty. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, on that note, I hope everybody has a great week. Hey, everybody, stay safe out there. Uh, Sprite. That is a swearing just to pass the time. Lately, I see why I am alone. I caught some road rage and I thought of you. And all the many times you say I should have known. Took a press so I could find my cheek. Found me. Best that I could do. Let's